Hey guys, thanks for checking out our podcast. We hope this week's message inspires you and encourages you. Feel free to check out our website for more information. Here's today's message. Amen. Well, thanks, Tash. Did you guys know um, that it is obviously really, 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 really cold in Melbourne this morning? The reason we know that, if not for any other reason, is that Tash Deverson, our anchor, is wearing shoes. If Tash is wearing shoes, that means it's cold, because if not, she has um, like sandals or thongs on. No, it's shoes. It's cold. It's freezing cold. But uh, years ago, this is at the Town and Gown. The Town and Gown at the University of Southern California in Los Angeles. And it's graduation night for me and my classmates in class number 90 of the Delinquency Control Institute at the University of Southern California. Law enforcement officers from all over the world. Uh, we finished our classes that day on a Friday at midday. I, uh, that afternoon, I, I had a, an afternoon ride-along with the Los Angeles Police Department, and they do ride-alongs for law enforcement officers, but this wasn't in a ride-along in a police car. This was a ride-along in the police helicopter. Spent the afternoon in the LAPD helicopter, going around doing that. Wow, that was good. Anyway, then out of the helicopter, back to La Crescenta, where I was staying uh, with my friends, Carl and Mary, uh, do a couple of things, and then, suit up and off to the town and gown for graduation dinner. We get there and the whole time, right through that evening, you know, when we're sitting there with all the, all the donors and the, like this is a, this is swish. It's exciting, it's, it's prestigious, it's a satisfying experience. I'm graduating, but at the same time, I'm really conflicted. Because I'm, I'm there with all my newfound friends, Kamar, my, my, my best friends on the course, Kamar from Malaysia. Kamar, we called him Kmart. <laughs> Kamar from Malaysia and Luis from Puerto Rico. They're my best friends. And then there's Dakfin from Norway. And there's Jens from Sweden. And, and I know that night, I'll, I'll most likely never see these guys again. And also then, I also know it's only 2.30 the next afternoon. And I'm going to be leaving on a jet plane from LA back to Sydney, Australia, and then Melbourne. And I can't wait to get home. Been away for a while. And there I am, you know, that night, and I'm, I'm eating all this fine food and rubbing shoulders with these, like, real big wigs. And I'm proud as punch because I'm graduating but I'm nervous and fidgety as well because I've been away for a while and I can't wait to get home. And I'm, I'm nostalgic too because 
I'm, I'm saying goodbye to all these newfound friends. And it's like, I don't, know, I don't know how to do tonight. I don't know how to wait. I don't, know how, I don't know how to feel while I wait. I don't know what to do while I wait. You know the feeling? I mean, you, you might feel it all the more just now, like in 2021, on the back of 2020. Where, I, 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 I mean, we've heard everything these last 18 months. You know, we, we, we've heard all the, the words and, I, and I'm not making light of them, you know, of people saying, oh, this is the end of the world. It's coming, the end of the world. Like we, we, we're set up now, we're seeing more than ever, the, the, the people would say, we're seeing a one world government. And we've got mind control. You know, and so we talk here in Victoria, we talk about dictator Dan. Controlling our minds, social engineering, telling us what we're going to think. And then every time that we get locked down, and we're right in the middle of that at the moment, lockdown, we call it, don't we, here in Victoria, lockdown 5.0. Every time we get locked down, apart from the inconvenience that you and I feel, you know, having to stay in our homes, but, but, you, but, but friends, companies and small businesses go under for the last time. And then you know, don't you, when you see guys like this, this photo taken from, um, from the protest this week here in Melbourne. You, you know, don't you, like our society is more angrily and vehemently divided than ever before. We're so scared. We're so afraid, we're so jittery, we're so unsure. And you know what happens, friends? Like, like, you know that hurt people hurt people, don't you? You know that people who are fearful, so much of our, of our wrong behavior emanates from fear. So when we're fearful and jittery and nervous and scared, we lash out in all directions. And we're living in a really unstable, insecure, uncertain time and you don't even need me to tell you that and meantime though you know a bit at least you know you got this sense that that you're following Jesus or maybe you're with us online maybe you've been with us here in the building and and, and you're not quite following Jesus yet you're exploring that and you're finding your way on that you're checking into it well done. But if you're kind of following Jesus, if you've been around church at all, then you kind of, you have this sense, and you might have a really strong sense of this, you might have a vague sense of this, but you got this sense that somewhere, somehow, Jesus said he would come back. He'd come back to planet Earth. I mean, we colloquially call it his second coming. All sorts of theories and speculations abound as to exactly how that's going to look. You know, for my, um, for my master's degree, 
the last thing I did in that was a supervised reading unit. It's a research project. And, and I did mine about what we call eschatology. Eschatology, it's the study of the end times. And, you know, like, friends, <laughs> do you know about eschatology? So, there's premillennial eschatology, there is postmillennial, there is amillennial, then we've got pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, pre-wrath rapture. We, there's preterist, there's partial preterist. Oh, and, you know, you know, I told you, did I tell you there's another popular school of thought in eschatology. There, there's premillennial, postmillennial, amillennial. There's another one that's, that, 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 that we say is panmillennial. And that's just saying that it'll all pan out in the future somehow. <laughs> okay, so you don't know the fine print of eschatology. Maybe you didn't even know the word eschatology before this morning. But you got this, this sense that somehow Jesus said he'd come back. And like me at the town and the gown that night, when it comes to waiting for Jesus to return, don't you think we see some pretty nasty extremes among the people who say they're following him? At one end of the spectrum, some people are absolutely obsessed with Jesus coming back. And if you follow history, you'll know, and you, you've seen this, it's, it happens regularly. Like there are people who make predictions of an exact date and a time when Jesus is going to come back and they wait up on the rooftop for him to come so they're ready. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you've got people who would be following Jesus, and we do, there are people that would say this, that he's not even going to come back. You see, we're in stressful, scary times, friends, with all sorts of theories about what's happening in our world right now. And I wanted to ask you this morning, in the midst of a world like that, how does God ask his children to live? While they wait for his coming back. While we wait for Jesus. I, 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 like, I, I wonder if it's better to know. If you want to know that, like, how, how does God, like if God's God, in the midst of all of this that's happening at the moment, how does he want me to live while I wait for Jesus? You want to know that? There's no better way to know it than the, the book in our Bible. You know, we call it, we would say it's 2 Thessalonians or we'd say 2 Thessalonians. So there's two books in there, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. And you know, it was five years ago, nearly to the day, just a couple of days off five years ago, when we started a journey here. We went for a number of weeks and we looked right through the book of First Thessalonians. You remember that if you've been around the church for five years or more? First Thessalonians, and it was all about strength for today and hope for tomorrow. The first of 
two letters. First Thessalonians is the first of two letters that the Apostle Paul, he had written it to young Christians and it was in a new little church. It's in a place that was then called Thessalonica and today it's called Thessaloniki in Greek Macedonia. Check it out on the map there. You can have a look at the map and you can see right at the top. I can't give you my pointer, you know, because we're on the screen, but you can see Thessaloniki. It's sort of in about the center right up near towards the top. That's modern day. And it wasn't all that long before Paul had written that first letter to the Thessalonians and that it, it, it was part of his what we call his second missionary journey. So not long before he'd written that first letter, he had actually gone on his second missionary journey to Thessalonica. And you can read all about that if you want to sometime. Check this out. It's in Acts chapters 16 and 17, especially in chapter 17. You read about when Paul, on his second missionary journey, visited Thessalonica. And you can see on this map here, he's a, he's a, like a, a representation of his journey. And again, you see Thessalonica. It's right up, it's sort of towards the top left-hand corner uh, of Macedonia there. And that's, you can see the journey. And, and, and right down there, sort of the bottom right-hand corner, Jerusalem, where Paul and Caesarea, where Paul left from on that journey. And when Paul had gone to Thessalonica, part of that journey, he'd only stayed there just a short time, probably no more than two months. And this is the first time that the good news of Jesus had ever come to that place. But they'd started up a little church while he was there. Hadn't gone all that smoothly because uh, some of the religious people in town, this happens once in a while to a guy like Paul or to a pastor. <laughs> They've been fired up with anger over the message. They didn't like this good news of Jesus. So they had attacked Paul and his co-workers, his mates, dragged them out into the marketplace, accused them of all manner of subversive religious crimes, and then they'd railroaded them out of town. That's how it finished. So later then, he wrote to them. So he's gone out of town. And later he wrote to them. This is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He says, you, know, you yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. You know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. So Paul and his friends had been railroaded out of Thessalonica. Then they'd gone, to, gone on to Berea, then down to Athens, modern-day Greece, then across to Corinth. And all the while, while they're on that, that missionary journey, they're telling people the good news of Jesus. And this is only happening about 15 years after death, Jesus' death on the cross. And so then when he wrote the letter that's in your Bible now, and it says it's 1 Thessalonians, it's a letter. It was actually only a few months after he had been in Thessalonica. And now when he's writing the letter, he's in Corinth. And he really wanted to get back to Thessalonica. But to that point, he hadn't been able to. You see, he said that in his letter. He said, we wanted very much to come to you. And I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. So he was unable to get there himself. He's in Corinth. He'd done the next best thing. And so he'd sent his young 
protege, and that's Timothy, who'd been with him in Corinth. And you can see there on the map, there's Corinth um, down the bottom, bottom left-hand corner of the map, or sort of not corner, but bottom, bottom of the map, Corinth. And then Paul had sent Timothy, his protege, up to Thessalonica, which is up near the top of the map. Timothy's mission. Hey, Tim, go back to Thessalonica. See how these brand new Christians are doing because they're a bit like you and me. And listen in here, these guys are a bit like you and me because they've got challenges. They are trying to work faith out in the context of first century life. This Thessalonica, it's a thriving, thriving city. It's a flourishing center of trade and philosophy. So there's opportunity and there's demand and there's status quo. And it's a culture that's inherently hostile to real Jesus values. And it's a religious melting pot too. And then even more then than now, Jesus following this is new and radical. So make no mistake about it. These new young Christians, Paul's down in Corinth, there's new young Christians in Thessalonica in a new little church. They've got plenty of questions. They get things wrong from time to time and they second guess themselves and they step into wrong values and priorities and life practices. It's first century Greek Macedonia for them. 21st century Melbourne, Australia, for you, we all need strength for today and hope for tomorrow, don't we? And if we don't have strength for today and hope for tomorrow, we're floundering, we're drifting, we're sucked into the vortex, we're waylaid, we're wandering, we're wilting under the weight. And now I, I think more than, more than ever, more than five years ago when we first looked at Thessalonians, we need strength for today and hope for tomorrow too because we've got it right now. We've got fear-mongering. We've got conspiracy theorists. We've got right-wing extremists and we've got anti-vaxxers and we've got lockdowns and predictions of anarchy and we've got discontent and anger and uncertainty. And you'll have your opinions and I've got my opinions about what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing and where this is going to head. Are you going to have AstraZeneca? Are you going to have Pfizer? What are you going to do? So Timothy went from Corinth and he checked in with these new Christians. And he came back right before Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians, which was his first letter to them. And see what Timothy told them. It's in 1 Thessalonians. But now Timothy has just returned. He's brought us good news about your faith and love. He reports that you always remember our visit with joy and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. So we've been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, because you have remained strong in your faith. It gives us new life to know that you are standing firm in the Lord. So there's Paul, he's in Corinth. Timothy's gone up to Thessalonica. He's come back with this mostly good, positive report. And that's when Paul wrote that first letter. He affirmed them because they're doing well. He answered their questions. He spoke into their doubts. It was mainly good, but, but not everything was rosy there. Some members of the church had died. He addressed that in 1 Thessalonians. And these people, they were distressed. They were confused about where these people were who died and how that fitted in with God. And, and they knew Jesus was supposed to come back one day, just like we do. But it was confusing now, especially in the context of death and grief. And the, these people, they're vulnerable too and still struggling with some 
pretty fierce opposition to the truth. And so 1 Thessalonians, that first letter written by Paul, around about 49, 51 AD, and it was to give the new Thessalonian believers strength for living today and hope for the future. And especially, not just, not just some positive strength and some feel-good hope, but, but God's strength, God's hope. Strength and hope, I mean, whatever they are, they're available. Strength and hope are available in all sorts of places and from all sorts of people and in all sorts of forms. But do they last? That matters. Do they take into account the strength and hope that you can lay your hands on today? Do they take into account who you really are and how you are designed and knit together and wired? Because that really matters. And the strength and the hope that you can lay your hands on today... Are they, are they centered in the context of eternity? I mean, because life, here and now, for you and me, my friends, it's only a pinpoint prick in a big, big story. And, and I, for one, I want some meaning on that. I don't want to just be a, a dot in the matrix. I bet you don't either. And we sing this, don't we? Oh, and I've seen many searching for answers far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers God only you provide. with your strength and hope. You see now, now for 2 Thessalonians, it's probably only six or so months after Paul had written that first letter and he writes again. You know why he writes? Because some of the believers who had read his first letter had obviously misunderstood his teachings about Jesus coming back. And I bet you, I bet you that in the last 18 months, you've heard people talking about Jesus coming back. Friends, this is something that is so, so easy to misunderstand. And although we know that Jesus is coming back, do you know what? There's not a lot that the Bible says about it. And what the Bible does say about it is actually fairly ambiguous. It's easy to misunderstand it. And when you know, you know, don't you, that if you don't understand something like that in the context of the way we're living now, don't you think it's stressful? Don't you think it's scary? I think it makes you feel insecure, uncertain, apprehensive. See, that's why Paul wrote Second Thessalonians. 
Yeah, it's Paul again. It's, it's only shortly after 51, 52 AD. And he writes this letter. Hey, hey, feast your eyes on this this morning, friends. He writes it to help the new Thessalonian believers know how to live while they wait for Jesus to return. You know, it's like he writes it to help Jeff Shepherd know how to get through the night at the town and the gown when he knows he's leaving the next day to go home. Paul's writing this 2 Thessalonians as God's messenger with God's truth. Take a look at it with me. Take a look at what he says. Right at the start of the letter. This letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. And Silas and Timothy, they're Paul's missionary co-workers. Silas Silvanus is, is another, another way that they, they write his name. Silas had come with Paul on the journey right from the beginning. The young Timothy, they'd met him on the journey. All right? Paul, Silas, and Timothy. It's written to the church in Thessalonica. You who belong to God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Not bad that, my friend. Stop there. Here you are this morning. And for whatever reason, somehow now you're listening, you're here. Jesus died for you. To take care of all the punishment and the penalty that's due to you for your nature that the Bible calls sin. And, and what that means is that if Jesus died to take the punishment and the penalty, then you can have relationship with him today. And that rescues you from a life apart from him. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done. Jesus died for you. And his promise is big, big, big. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's his promise. There is no other name in heaven or on earth by which people can be saved other than the name of Jesus. And salvation from sin Salvation is only from Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's available to everyone though. So if you've stepped into that relationship with Jesus already, and it might be decades ago, might be months ago, Look again. You see what Paul just wrote in his letter? You belong to God. God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you haven't stepped into that relationship yet, you can, my friend, you can. You can have it all right now. But did you get that? This this idea of, belong to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you get that? 
There's a beautiful prayer one of my favorite authors, Brennan Manning, wrote. It is simple. I pray this prayer several times a day. I often write it down lots as well. I pray it several times a day. And I almost always pray it several times over, right right at the very beginning, you know, soon after even getting out of, even waking up and getting out of bed. In the quietness of the new day, when I'm so much aware of how much I need strength for today and hope for tomorrow while I wait for Jesus. Amidst mayhem and lockdown and closed borders, here's the prayer. Abba, I belong to you. Abba, this Aramaic word used in the scripture. And you know what it means? It just means daddy, papa. Abba, I belong to you. Brenda Manning suggests praying that prayer over and over again as you, as you inhale. Abba. As you exhale, I belong to you. Abba, I belong to you. You belong to God the Father if you're one of his children. And now get this, my friend. Oh, this morning, oh, this morning. Get this, because you belong to God the Father and you're waiting for Jesus. That's what 2 Thessalonians is all about. It's how you live while you wait for Jesus. Here, in Melbourne, 2021, or wherever it is that you're listening from in 2021. You want, you want God's take on how you live you want God's take on how you live, given that Jesus himself said that the reason he came to earth the first time was to give you life. And then he qualified that and he said, I don't just mean life. I mean abundant life, life to the full. That's why he came. You want God's take on that? Well, here it is. In 2 Thessalonians, right at the start of the letter, look at this. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, my friend, give you grace and peace. Get that? Grace and peace. Do you know that God's children, the ones who are God's children, they get given His grace and His peace while they wait for Jesus. You're God's child. You get given God's grace and God's peace right now in the midst of lockdown 5.0. You get given God's grace and God's peace. If you have a family member who's passed away and you face the prospect of a funeral with 10 people or 20 people there, you get given God's grace and God's peace. If you have put your wedding off three or four times and finally you have to do it and there's only five people there, you get given God's grace and God's peace. If you know someone like I do who, who took their life, and I have no doubt that it was a direct result of COVID-19 lockdowns, you get given God's grace and His peace. Do you know what grace in the Bible, we talk about it a lot. Do you know what it means? And at its most basic level, it just means God's unmerited 
favor. That's the gifts that he gives to us that we do not deserve. It's his kindness to us that we, that we could do nothing to earn. It's his free salvation for us. It's his daily goodness to us. And you know what? He does that. He does that no matter what terror is around about us. He does it no matter where we are. He does it when people and circumstances rob you and wound you. He does it when your heart is aching. He does it when you're sick, when you're suffering, when you're dying. You see, he works his goodness, his beauty. Remember in the context of eternity, he works his goodness and his beauty through every circumstance and situation that you're in when you're his child. God's children get given his grace and his peace while they wait for Jesus. His grace, his peace. Peace, you know, peace means the absence of strife. It's a clear sense that all is well. Life as it was meant to be, in harmony. Now, if you've got God's peace, and here's a profound lesson that I'm, I've had to learn so much in these last few years, and I'm still learning it now, and that is that you can have God's peace and you may not necessarily feel like you've got God's peace. Because you'll still be bombarded with, with theories and ideologies and theologies and eschatologies and QR check-in codes. And if your health is declining, your health might not necessarily improve. And if you're in pain and your grief is persistent, they may not go away. When you're God's child, though, listen carefully, you get his peace. And that is that in the true realm, in the element of truth, there is an absence of strife and there's a clear sense that all is well. Just like the 14th century Julian of Norwich, Norwich said so poignantly, she said, all shall be well and all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. God's children get given his grace and peace while they wait for Jesus. That's, that's what God brings to life, my friend. His grace and his peace. We're going to see it in the next few weeks, you know, some of, the, some of the real specifics as to how we live while we wait for Jesus. But you know what? We do it in the context of grace and peace. Sundays here at Mill Park, while we wait for Jesus, a journey through this book of Second Thessalonians. You're going to hear, friends, Friends, you, you come these next, uh, next six Sundays after today, you're going to hear lasting, truthful, sustainable, meaningful info from God himself. Because it's his word. It's not, it's not Pastor Jeff that's, that's talking to you. It's, it's, not, it, it's his word giving you just that, how we live, how we feel, what we do, how we respond while we wait now for Jesus counts. You're going to love this letter. It's going to give you rubber meets road help today. And just a snapshot of his advice, his grace and his peace today. I just want to encourage you a couple of things. Hey,
you can make a decision to say, I'm going to walk by faith. Rather than walking by sight and shaping our lives on the things that are visible. And remember, it's entirely natural to do that. It's absolutely unnatural not to do it. So it takes some learning and some insight and some, and some help and some effort with the Holy Spirit's help. Walking by faith. And Paul had said this in his first letter to these guys, Thessalonica. He said, as we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. God's children get given his grace and peace while they wait for Jesus. Can you walk by faith this week? And then this, this is the next one, is can you choose to live in grace and peace this week. Because when we get God's handle on life now and in the future, your friends, you know what? One thing we don't do is view it with panic for the future. Have you seen someone panicking? Have you heard someone panicking these last 18 months? Have you seen someone um, giving up on faith in these last 18 months? Have you seen someone walking away from Jesus? Have you seen someone who's so scared they want to go live in a bunker in the country? Have you seen someone who's so convinced that, that our world is coming to an end and it's all completely out of control? When you've got God's grace and his peace, they're things that don't happen. Because when God gets hold of your life, it is not going to be, I'm telling you now, categorically, it's not going to be a worried and frantic and frenetic and hassled lifestyle. It is not. It's really not. And you see, because Paul said that, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. God's children get given his grace and his peace while they wait for Jesus. You want to pray with me? Holy Spirit, we want to start visualizing what this means for us, people whose lives are touched and changed by your grace and your peace. And that's going to reach into our, our families and our marriages. It gets right inside school and it gets inside VCE and special consideration for year 12 students and ATARs and it reaches into loneliness and it, it, it impacts relationships and it turns up in the worst of situations with, with, with meaning and insight and purpose and dignity and it motivates radical love which transcends differences and it produces extravagant and extraordinary generosity and it fosters participation and cooperation on a mission that's more important and has more hinging on it and alters all of life more than any other mission. Lord Jesus, this is the goodness of God. And we're aware as we pray this morning too, and friends, you're aware too, that God's grace and his peace, they're God's grace and peace, and they are given to his children. They're given to those who are following him. They're given to those who recognize that Jesus died on a criminal's cross for them. To pay the penalty, to take the punishment for their sin nature and to, to offer them the opportunity 
to accept that gift, to receive that gift, and to come into relationship with Jesus, not just as some feel-good religious deity, but as Lord and Saviour. To submit their life to Jesus so they can live the way that they were designed to live. With Jesus on the throne. God's children are given his grace and his peace while they wait for Jesus. Friends, if you want to meet Jesus and come into a relationship with him today, please, please, would you reach out to us and, and, and go back through and find and, and, and click, click the link that's on social media. And if you're in any doubt, just, just call the office, look up our website and call us or email us, get in contact with us so we can help you in that quest to meet Jesus. Um, and if you already know Jesus, I want to encourage you that you, you got his grace and his peace. And he wants you to live in it this week. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.